Good to go. And we are recording. Charlie, I really appreciate you coming on and uh, especially reaching out uh, through my website. Really appreciate that. So uh, how are you keeping? I'm very well, thanks. How's yourself? Not too bad, not too bad. I'm uh, enjoying these podcasts so far, kind of getting to get out there and talk to talk to people for an hour a day kind of keeps me happy anyway. Yeah, understandable. I get that. You need a bit of connection at these times, so very much understood. Absolutely, yeah. I, just one thing I actually want to say, it's like how, I just wanted to know how you came across my page and so like, we actually, before we say we actually we don't know each other, this is our first uh, face yeah, I've never, encounter as you like, so be interested. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah well, just, it's such a small town, it's very strange, but um, basically I was on Facebook and I seen a uh, shout out to Darren Hoy, he had shared one of your things and I just watched it and I was like, that's really interesting, I'll give a, give a shout out to your man there, so that's where we got in touch anyway. Appreciate that. Uh, yeah, no, that video's been been doing the rounds and got a good response, so I'm happy out and hopefully you will, uh, I can rope a few more people in to talk to me now for for the foreseeable future. Yeah, get the word of mouth out anyway. Yeah, so uh, the, talk a bit about your band. I think that's pretty much right, the, the main interest here. And uh, so is it it's Arc, is it Arco Arena? It is Arco Arena, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was worried, I was like, in my head I was like, am I pronouncing that right? I was kind of worried about like mis, mispronouncing yeah, it. No. But it and is the full band based from Dundalk? Yeah, everyone's everyone is from Dundalk. Um, I'm from Black Rock originally. Uh, so is the drummer as well, Pork. And then Owen is from uh, up by Castletown. And then Peter is from I'm not sure where he's from originally, but he's he's moved house like <laughs> I think it's like six or seven times at this stage. So, he's, but he stayed in the town regardless. So well. Town born and bred. I mean, I guess some people would argue Black Rock's not necessarily town, but like, that you go to the school town. in the town, I'd argue it's town. Like, yeah. no, it absolutely <laughs> is the town. And how did the band form? Like, so we, I mean, so, we all made from kids, or no? It's 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 like most bands are kind of formed from from the ashes of a, another band. So myself and uh, the bass player Owen have been playing together for like years and years and years. Uh, so we were in another band before that it was going for about 10 years it was kind of going since we were like young young teenagers called uh, duct tape and prayers um shout out to all our our uh, old fans now at this stage but um that band imploded at like the uh just the end of 2014 and then we just kind of didn't really waste any time uh we'd been working on an ep with peter because he is uh his like production skills um so we kind of knew him already and he's a really really good guitar player as well he'll always like downplay it but he's one of those people who can just pick up a guitar and just play like basically any song just from hearing it once which i find so annoying because <laughs> he's he's like a human jukebox and i'm just not able to do that at all so and um so then where we reached out to him and then he actually suggested pork who had, i i'd never met pork either um because he's uh he would have been like the year below me in in, in secondary school um so we just all kind of got together. I we because we had recorded bits already of like previous like I guess duct tape songs in progress, and he kind of learned them, and then we got together to like actually jam and then see if it like if things felt right. And fortunately, it all seemed to click fairly quickly. Brilliant. And when was the band like officially formed? It would have been like January twenty fifteen. Brilliant. And so the the new single you sent me. It was like, I thought it was such a unique sound and uh, I'm not very musically inclined. I like listening to music, but I wouldn't be into the 
into the technical side of things or the creation side of things. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, I was struggling, kind of struggling to find, like how to define your sound. How would you define that as, as an artist? Uh, I, I, I think it's, it's, I think every one of us defines it differently because there is four people. Um, we do have quite different music tastes as well. Like myself, I'd probably be more into like the heavier kind of music. I'd be very much into like, experimental music and kind of like drone music and like I, I'm massive into instrumental music because especially in Ireland you have like amazing bands like and so I watch from afar uh, Adivisi Shank and all those kind of bands so I'd be very heavily influenced by that so with regards to sound it's kind of it's it's a lot of like 70s funk rock stuff actually ironically like chic and things like that but it's kind of I think it's been given a bit of a, a bit of a modern twist in a lot of cases as well because there is in, in that kind of music, there is always that kind of heaviness, but I think it's just, it never actually comes to the fore as much. So it's kind of like, how can you, you can mix that kind of heavy stuff with also the sort of the dancey stuff. And that's, I think that's really evident in Docker Martins because originally that was a, a way, way heavier song, but I kind of brought it into the lads and they really like put the kind of the funk stuff behind it and it kind of evolved into this like, kind of like heavy disco kind of song. Mm-hmm. And was that in, so for your overall kind of sound, was it intentional to kind of go to 70s funk rock or was that just something that kind of evolved over time as the band kind of grew together? Yeah, I think I think that definitely has like come out more over time. Like if you listen to any of our, our earlier stuff, like our first single, Asleep Too Long, it's quite, it's quite like Foles influenced. I think you can tell it's quite like indie, I guess you would say, like that kind of early 2000s indie sound, like Bombay Bicycle club sort of thing but then over time we've definitely kind of evolved same wise and i think you can really see that across our, our releases to, to date if you look at our um ep from 2018 you kind of see where it was going like especially like songs like um tusk or um i push planets that kind of it's like a kind of like a funk rock thing but then there's like a very much like a kind of like a mathy rock element to it as well um it, again like we're all incredibly influenced by Foles, i would argue so there's a lot of that going into it as well and do you see this as like your sticking sound or, or, is, or is there still like an evolution going on within the band and you see yourself kind of progressing into something a bit further? Yeah, no, I think, I think everyone's kind of influenced by what they're listening to. Um, for the last while, I mean, it's been a while since rehearsal for obvious reasons because of what's going on. But um, it's definitely, definitely evolving and changing over time. I think it's definitely getting more uh more technical in some ways but then in a lot of other ways is kind of a lot of just straightforward stuff like uh, especially considering what's coming out music wise like that last um idols record um joy is an act of i can't remember the, the last word of the name of the album but joy is joy is an act of resistance like that album kind of changed a lot of what i thought about music and how writing kind of works and how you kind of do because they're so lyrical but then the music is also excellent as well and of course, you're influenced by stuff that's going on around you. Like I really like what what like must uh, just mustard are doing at the moment as well, and loads of other Dundalk bands. So it's kind of it's, it's a mixing pot of stuff. Brilliant. And just because you mentioned uh, a couple of artists from town, there, how do you find the music scene in Dundalk? Do you think it's it's thriving at the minute? Yeah, yeah. I think I think Dundalk bands are kind of getting taken a bit more seriously than they kind of would have done maybe 10 years ago, possibly. I know because like you look at the breakthrough acts, like again, you know, you talk about Just Mustard, like they're doing crazy stuff. Like I'm so impressed by 
how far they've gotten in the industry or like people like David Keenan or, you know, shout out to, you know, uh, I don't know how to pronounce the name. It, it, I don't know if it's A Mac or e, I don't know if you know her. Oh, Aoife, like, yeah. Aoife was in my class in school in primary school. Well, there you go. Yeah, but I don't know how she pronounces I th- her. I think it's A Mac. I think it's A Mac. It's A Mac. Yeah. Okay. They are like, fantastic. Anything, yeah, no, like, like she was on, I think it was the Late Late Show or something like that. Or just if you look up A Mac, it comes up. You know what I mean? Like, so it's, it's crazy how much attention bands from the knock are getting. It's fantastic. And like, you know, a rising tide, you know, lifts all boats. So, you know, everyone seems to be really supportive of each other. Or like, if you look at what TPM are doing, especially their marketing campaign recently, like that, um, I was there on Blackrock Beach the other day when Gemma O'Doherty was down and um, that video that they did just like completely ripping the piss out of her was great. Like fantastic. Yeah, it was excellent. Mm. Like, and I, I was, it was great to see that in in person to be there to mm. to kind of see that happening. But I mean, I should have known that they were going to make an appearance at some point. But uh, just it's it, the Dunlop music scene is unbelievable at the moment. So hopefully, it'll continue to be taken a bit more seriously now going forward. Yeah, definitely. Uh, even like I noticed like myself, like again, I said like I'm not too much into it, but like I know. Katie and Noonan from Just Mustard and then I know David David is in I was in secondary school with David and saying that I was school Leafa and like it's fantastic to see that everyone is rising above the town and like the 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 music's getting outside of the boundaries and like Just Mustard they were performing all over the world. Uh and uh David Keane he just blew up out of out of nowhere really, didn't he? And but again, as you said uh, rising tides lift uh, all boats, so they're taking they're kind of taking everyone with them, and it's great to see that the other people are kind of like following in the footsteps and then realizing this is like this is a possibility and this is something that we can do, and uh, you're not just limited to to the boundaries of Dundalk and the kind of surrounding areas to to perform your music. Like there is a global stage out there that anyone can obtain, not easily enough, but like it's there for the taking if they want it. Yeah, absolutely. And it, like it, it must be said, it's not like a case of riding on the coattails of them. Mm. It's a case of like, you know, people would say, oh, a Dundalk band, they'll take it more seriously than they would have before. Mm. You know, that kind of way. So, yeah, I think, well, the only Dundalk band I would have known as a kid, it was probably the Coors. And uh, <laughs> that's, I don't think that's a, a good representation of the, the stuff that's coming out of Dundalk. No, I, I mean, that's that's a pretty, like, data reference. But, again, people like Jinx Lennon, like, you have to look at the people who came before what's going on now. Like, people like Jinx Lennon, I know the um, the Curtain Thieves got a lot of traction in, in the early days as well. People like that kind of set the set the kind of tone, I think, with regards to how the dark bands are viewed. So it just seems to be just a continuation of that. And it's just that, you know, we're more interconnected with the rest of the country as well. Like, I think... A lot of people didn't really know Dundalk existed up until recently enough. It might be to do with the football team as well. I always kind of think that might have had some sort of impact in conjunction. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that is actually that's a very interesting thing on it because it, with the the notoriety kind of around the team with the with the sudden rise from almost a relegation zone to was a five time champion. Now. Obviously, like the, the, there's going to be a lot of eyes and a lot of media attention around the town. So it's actually a good way of putting it. Yeah, that definitely could be a. Uh, a contributing factor to why there has been a, a surge and a lot of stuff coming out of the dock. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, it's just a theory, but it just I, I've always kind of put those things together for some reason. Yeah, no, definitely. No, I can completely see it, like, especially from, like, my job is kind of within media and stuff like that. So it is definitely, like, a, a very good possibility that, like, the that the the eye fall almost is kind of spilling off of the team and going on to the town and you can see that actually a, a lot of the bands around town as well especially would be like avid and dog fans as well so it's a it's a good exchange there they can kind of bounce off each other on social media as well like even seen the dog fc on twitter uh retweeted the tpm lads video and uh which is fantastic. Like it's something that you wouldn't expect them to retweet. And then I kinda read through the comments uh, thread and you can see they invited them up to, to perform at the whatever to get back to playing football like so. Which is fantastic. Yeah, that'd be a great game to be at for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And uh just kinda going back to uh Docker Martins, the video is unbelievable. It was just oh, cheers! Yeah, it was just sensory overload from from the get go, but it was it was fantastic. Like it was just it was hitting all the taste buds for all the right reasons, and I just wanted to know where the kind of that concept kind of came out of. Yeah, um, so the concept kind of came from sort of it's sort of based on the lyrics of the song, so it kind of evolved from this kind of like sort of like a metal song, but then it was kind of. The, the way that I wrote the lyrics was it was kind of influenced a bit by um, Death of a Disco Dancer by the Smiths. I don't know if you know that one. but um, no, I'm, I'm sure my dad does. He's like the ultimate Smiths head, so I can, uh, I can yeah, get, the, get the reference so, after that. So that kind of that kind of like vibe, that kind of people dancing, but there's, you know, there's fighting happening. And then, you know, there's, a, there's kind of like the, um, there's the, the port influence as well. So I always kind of think of people like having scraps in the spirit store and things like that. Not that that happens a lot, but just like that kind of the fighting and then the dancing part of it as well. So I kind of wanted to, to put that into a, uh, a video format that actually made sense. And it, um, Tim obviously like helped immensely with kind of bringing that to, to from my head to actual fruition. Well, yeah. And, uh, Tim, he's got such a unique side. I've only met him a few times, but, uh, a mega talented guy and is like I wish I had his creativity when it came to videography like the stuff he kind of comes out with is just completely out of the box and it just works it's fantastic and uh, yeah no. yeah no I love that and I'll, I'll throw the, the the link to the video uh, in the description of this so everyone can see what we're talking about uh, I love that I'm actually I watched it like when you sent it to me I watched it a couple of times and I was like geez that's the, everything was just fantastic about it <sighs> Even the way he's dressed, I thought that was so unique and so cool. Oh, um, yeah, it was just that the prop budget was, I'm going to say, quite low with regards <laughs> to uh, to costuming and stuff like that. So it was a lot of improvisation and like, I think we were just, it, they were just like regular, they're just like boiler suit type things. But it was just like, how do you get kind of a uniform looking kind of a look for that particular you know, scene in the video and then of course the costuming for the for the dancers as well. How do you make that stand out? How do you kind of improvise with regards to the craft? But like that was all just like the homemade handmade costume stuff. So I I mean I'm glad it looked a lot better on camera than it did in person, I'll say that for sure. I I, I like I as a videographer myself, I much prefer like that home made touch to things. I think it adds just more like of a 
unique, more genuine kind of rust that kind of touch the things, and it makes I, I pers- like it makes it more personal for me that those it wasn't just thrown together like there was like uh, there was a conscious decision made into everything that went into it and it wasn't just something that was on hand it was easy access to so I'd uh, tip my hat to you that one I thought it was, thought it was brilliant I appreciate that but when you're doing when you're doing the homemade stuff like that you kind of really have to kind of lean into like the comedy side of it because mm-hmm. because of the fact the limitations of the material that you're actually working with so I think that's why the video came out a lot. We, we were kind of aiming for humor, but it came out a lot, a lot more comedy orientated than we kind of. It initially, the the initial vision wasn't as comedy orientated as it, as it came out. But I'm actually more pleased with the fact that it, it did come out the way it did. Brilliant, yeah, no, that's really good. That's actually a, a, a good observation. I, I would never have thought of. I kind of tend to stay away from comedy when I'm making videos, unless unless it's like a talking kind of thing. But like you know, sometimes if you attempt comedy, it doesn't come off well. That uh, it dampens the whole the whole production. But uh, yeah, no, brilliant. I just love that. Very and, good. I'm glad you that. And uh, what about what's your writing process like? Do you do you have a like a, a set kind of routine, or do you just kind of write on the like on the fly, like when you get inspiration on the go, or do you set time aside uh, like a week or a day to write? I I mean. There's been a lot of time to write at the moment, obviously, because there's not not a lot else. I think it's actually been it's been probably better for musicians in general this whole thing because you know you see people there's massive demand for like recording interface and stuff like that. Like I'm trying to teach myself how to record things because I got an interface for Christmas. I hadn't really like messed around with properly because been too busy. But now that you're kind of stuck, yep. um, there's been massive demand for interface and stuff like that. So. It's, I've had a lot of time recently to write, but normally I don't really set time aside. I try and, like, I, I know myself, if I don't play guitar for, like, a day or so, I tend to get a bit, like, cranky, a bit, um, a bit antsy. So that usually happens regardless. But if I'm, I'm writing a lot more from a melody standpoint than a guitar standpoint recently. So usually I just, if I'm walking, if I'm out and about, like, even if I'm on a break from work, just walking around, like, wherever it is that I'm working, I would just have the phone out and just record melodies into the phone and then try and go back to them later that evening or the next day and kind of try and stick them together and see if that works. Brilliant. And do you write with uh, lyrics in mind or would you kind of more focus on the instrumental side of things? Like, or do you just let that both processes happen naturally and then combine? Yeah, no, it, it, I think it, it's kind of been an evolution for me personally. I used to always just write the music first and then do the lyrics, but now it's kind of been more melody first and then lyrics. And then of course, like it, it's not just me writing by myself. Like all the guys are supplying ideas. Like nobody yeah. tells anyone else. Like, like it's very, I don't think we've ever, I don't think it, we've ever had a session where somebody's come in with like a full song and be like, this is the full song, play it like this. Like it's always mm-hmm. like, this is my part of this idea of a song what do you guys want to put on top of it and then they'll just do whatever and it's usually I, I've always found that when, I, when I'm bringing something myself whatever they're doing is always way better than anything I would have ever thought of in the first mm-hmm. place so it's kind of just everyone has their, their strength and brings their you know expertise with the instrumentation as well as the vocal stuff as well because everyone's able to sing in the band mm-hmm. so like sometimes I'm singing sometimes Owen's singing sometimes Peter's singing so uh, there's, there's songs where myself and Owen like trade off like I'd take the verse and he takes the chorus or vice versa or like 
obviously in universe and then Peter will like come in on certain lines or anything like that. So it's quite, it, there's a lot of collaboration involved. Brilliant. And do, would you ever sit down together and write as a star fresh together or do you kind of usually wait for an idea to, to pop up from an individual and then kind of amalgamate that together? Yeah, no, no, we do. In a, in a lot of cases, we'll just, it'll just be like we've written it in the rehearsal room. So like somebody like Owen might just be playing like two notes of a bass line and I might just come in on top of them and then Pork might come in with something and then Peter might come in with something. It just like writes from there and then we just record other rehearsals and then I tend to, to take them home and then kind of chop them up and like what I think is, mm-hmm. or like, you know, everyone else does this as well, like chop it up and see what's the, what are the better parts of the rehearsal? Like what part of like, we might have like a 20 minute jam, but then maybe only five minutes of it might be usable, et cetera. Mm. So that's kind of how it would, it would work. Brilliant. And do you find where, right, this is like one thing I always find like really interesting when it comes to musicians and their writing process that uh, I'll give an example, you know, Francis from Future West. Yeah. 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 One of his songs, The Pilot's Nightmare, is one of my favorite songs ever. And he wrote it within the space of 40 minutes. And that blew, blew my mind. Do you ever find that, that some projects kind of take, you might get them in a couple of hours or then it could come into a couple of days or a couple of weeks. Do you find that like, with, uh, with song creation? Yeah, no, sometimes it, it, it comes, you'll have a song in like an hour and then sometimes you'll have a song that you wrestle with for like months to try and get into some form of like a shape. And I know it's probably, it's probably different for Francis as well because the fact that he is a, he's a solo artist. So like he kind of has to, has to know when to leave it alone. I kind of I would assume. Whereas with it, when it's like with a full band, it's like, it's a lot easier to get things done because there's four people collaborating. I find, but yeah, yeah. sometimes you get stuff done in like an hour and like, that's a song that's done. But like we've definitely had songs where like we've been working on them for like a year before it, if I would consider it finished or anyone else would consider it finished. So it can it just kind of depends. And I think a lot of it, if you're usually working on it for that long, it's usually not that good either. Like yeah. I find the better songs tend to be the songs that you can kind of finish the quickest. Yeah, I uh, yeah I, I I see the similarity that because I I always find it fascinating that the, the projects can kind of they can vary in duration like I know my own work like it's completely different but it's both creative that like I try and get mine well most projects done as fast as I can because if I let it linger like you just said like I think it it hinders the process for me so I always kind of hit it with irons hot and then if it lingers on past like two weeks or something like that I have to have to accent and get keep moving with things yeah no absolutely but then sometimes you know it'll have something that's lingered for like six months and then you'll have a different song going on and you'd be like oh that riff would actually just stick like right in there and you're like oh that's what was missing or i think a lot of cases i think there's a lot of pressure i know i think musicians put a lot of pressure on themselves to like do the songs justice i guess so sometimes you might finish a song and then you think oh this could be better and then you you do it again but like that you just need to know when to to leave well alone and this is one one thing i i I kind of ask most musicians I talk to, do you master your own music? Like your own tracks? In our case, yeah. Because mm. um, cause we record everything ourselves. Mm. Um, and from start to finish, it is all done it by ourselves. So we would master our own stuff. Mm. Um, yeah. I, no, go on. Sorry, go on. Sorry. 
No, I just uh, I'm I'm not as involved with the mastering because I'm it's Porik and Peter who are doing who are doing the producing. Like they're absolutely fantastic producers and like fantastic mastering, but I wouldn't really have as much input in, into that kind of process of it. It, the, it. The reason I ask is that like I always find it interesting that some people would send off tracks to be to be uh, mastered. Like I know it's completely different, but I don't think I could ever hand off any of my work to kind of get the the final touch on it. And, and it's, it's something I love to get people's opinions on because maybe it is something I should be doing like towards the end of a project to kind of get the I think with like you can kind of get a bit too in your own head about it so I think in a lot in a lot of cases with musicians especially like usually if you're wanting something to be mastered you're wanting it to be mastered by usually somebody in particular because they're like known for a certain kind of sound so like you might be sending it off to them to get like a certain kind of drum sound or like a certain kind of vocal sound on it or you mm. might just not be you know, if you've recorded it, you might just not be confident enough to master it yourself as well. So there's a, there's a lot of reasons why you would send it off for mastering. Like most bands don't master their own stuff. Like it's pretty, pretty normal not to. It's just if you're working DIY like we are, it just makes sense for us to produce and master in-house as well. Yeah, and very cost effective as well, I'd imagine. Very, very cost effective, but it does have its downsides. Like you do know, again, like when you're writing the songs, you do not have to know when to leave while alone like you could master something for six months and it might just not work out the way that you, you plan and you might just like lose yourself a little bit in it so i think it is good to have other people's input because then you can kind of concentrate on being a musician rather than a musician a producer mm-hmm. a potential audience person rather than just the musician and just making sure that your you know your instruments or your vocals are exactly as good as they could be yeah that's interesting that you, like that you you put titles on kind of that you have to play these roles and that's i think that actually is a good consider consideration on my end because i find that like i have to play all these roles when i'm making something where, yeah, where no nine, nine times out of ten i only want to be one one of them which would be it's actually a good consideration that i might have to start sending uh, some work off <laughs> Yeah, no, I think I, I, that's that's a thing that affects most musicians. I think at the moment because you can't unless unless you are just in the band purely just to play the instrument and that's it. Mm-hmm. But like you know, and in, in pretty much every band's case, it's like you're playing the instruments, but you're also doing like the promotional stuff. You have to kind of you know you have to play the social media stuff. You have to kind of keep up with the marketing. You have to make sure you get consistent mm-hmm. gigs. You have to be in touch with promotional things. It just it can be a lot and like personally i know myself that i would prefer just to be doing just play my instrument and just writing the lyrics and that would be just the end of it but you know you kind of have to be a jack of all trades at the moment so you know it's it's 40 minutes on stage but it's 10 hours of pre-production for that you know what i mean so it can be it can be a lot at one time so i know myself i'd probably like to step back a bit but you know you just got to do what you got to do because otherwise you're not gonna you're not gonna get anywhere you're not gonna get any gigs so you just have to wear wear uh, wear all the badges of all sashes you know yeah, no, you absolutely do, especially this day and age where everything is so accessible to everyone. Like you said, like everyone can get a an audio interface now in their house and start recording with really high quality sound, and then you can market that yourself on social media and stuff like that. And I felt the brunt of it myself when we we put on a, a show in a spirit store there in February, and it was uh, it was just mustard uh, future west and Kelso played at it, 
and then we had a couple of lads DJ at it as well and uh, they handled all like the, the the event side of things like the, the venue and stuff like that but then I was kind of running the back scene things like social media and doing all the graphics and doing all the promotion and whilst trying to balance everything else and get merchandise and stuff so it is like it's a it's a, a extremely demanding industry and unfortunately like you said you do need to wear all the hats when uh when the when the moment calls for yeah absolutely you're spinning plates and like in a lot of cases you might maybe not get as much done as you'd like to creatively or like you might not be able to write as many songs or whatever because you're too busy you know trying to to promote the instagram or like getting a good post up on facebook or making sure people see this or trying to figure out you know what's the best time to post something so it's just like it's it's a lot of spinning plates and like i applaud all the bands who are able to do that and maintain a consistent kind of output and consistent sound so props to people who are able to handle it so absolutely yeah no it is it's a it's quite demanding especially all the the hours that go into the music let never mind the the rest of the promotional side of things and organizing events and gigs and stuff like that so it is it's a it's quite the achievement to, to be able to do it all and we'll swing back to yourself <laughs> so i uh, kind of went to bed uh, left field there uh who would be your main influences and with the rest of the lads in the band as well these all have similar interests that help guide you along the way um no i, I the influence are actually pretty different in most cases i but i think that really really helps because you know it kind of you know if you're bringing if you're bringing like a more like a pop sensibility to, to like something that would turn out quite heavy the, the mix of that is i've always found really interesting um personally like when i was younger my parents were always playing because i was i was born 93 so like it was the tail end of like the grunge stuff and kind of the brit pop stuff mm-hmm. i wouldn't really be as into the brit pop but it, i'd be really really influenced by like obviously like nirvana or like the pixies or anything like that but um as I got older, I kind of learned more about Irish music and the Irish bands that were kicking around, like bands like Ansoy Ocean Before, as I mentioned earlier. And uh, there's another really, really good band from, I think they were from Belfast called La Faro, who have just completely disappeared now, but they were just this insane, like ridiculously, it was like a heavy punk band kind of thing, but with like really Northern sensibilities in like the lyrics. And they were just, the lyrics are very, very funny, but like very, very, um, pointed i would kind of consider them like a precursor to, to sort of what idols were doing mm-hmm. like now so it was very very uh, it kind of political but also like just kind of taking the piss out of what life is like living in the north and things like that so uh just really influenced by irish artists but like really heavy into the um like the instrumental math rock stuff um i'd be a huge fan of adabizi shank as well um and that stuff like battles and things like that so that kind of really complicated from a guitarist point of view it's always really interesting because you have all that kind of the loop and stuff going you have all the um like the, the weird time signatures and stuff like that so I, i'm really into into that stuff but in a lot of cases you need to really pull back the sensibilities with that because it can be very overstimulating like there could be a lot going on technically and in a lot of cases it can be kind of unlistenable like there's like a load of math rock bands that i really like but like I could never convince other people to listen to them mm. because I've already been listening to it from like a musical point of view, but yeah. there can be a lot of stuff going on and it's just like, it can be a bit unlistenable for some people, which I completely understand. So I really think that 
I'm bringing that sensibility to the band, but then the lads are kind of trying to, not trying to, but they're 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 able to kind of put it in a in a, a more more of a like a listenable song context. If that makes sense. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's really interesting that you don't kind of all gravitate towards the one thing, which is which is amazing because obviously like you'll influence influence each other uh, behind the scenes. Like so, that's a that's really interesting to note. And what's the what's the future plans? What does the future hold for you? Uh, future plans. Well, I. I mean, it's it's kind of all up in the air at the moment because of obviously what's going on. We'd love to get back gigging again. Uh, we just released Doc Martin's. Obviously, uh, we have another single in the can. We're just kind of trying to figure out when we're gonna release that. Hopefully, I would love to do a, like a, a long EP or even an album next year. But it it really just depends on what, what how this whole situation pans out. Like, it'd be nice to be able to get back in a room together and record together stuff like that. But until we know what's going on it's kind of hard to do i'd be interested to see what the future is like with regards to gigs and stuff i've seen some people doing like uh driving gigs i've seen some people doing obviously the live stream stuff is, is huge at the moment mm-hmm. um people doing that really well i don't think for a full band it's kind of difficult like i understand if you're two lads with acoustic guitars it's not as as difficult but yeah. a full live electric band there's not a lot of great options out there. Like I've been tricking around with some software. There's um, Jam Kazam and Jamulus and stuff like that. But again, you're having like latency issues and things like that. So mm. it'd be interesting to see. I'm hoping, hoping maybe some pubs will maybe get involved in live streaming themselves. So say if like a, a typical gig at the Spirit Store, but just literally just the band there and then Derek in, in the back and then just actually just live stream that. But then again, it's kind of like what people... Will, will that completely lose the vibe of a live gig or people go for that so it's kind of hard to tell but I'd, I'd love to to get back in the live scene again definitely sure. I, I think you've the finger on the pulse there with the live streaming uh, events I was actually spent my morning uh, researching like researching different equipment and different stuff like that because it's something that before this I was hoping to get into and uh, cause we've done a couple of live streams uh, down the line and found it very the response is very good but uh it is impossible at the minute to get any sort of live streaming uh, uh, equipment, hardware. To Toman is sold out, is backlogged. I think eight weeks with like cam links and audio interfaces and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah. So I think the 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 market is going to be saturated. It's either going to be if you can do it well, I think it would be a very good market to get into. But if you can't, I think it's going to be saturated with a. Uh, which some dodgy streams for the next six to nine months, I'd imagine. Yeah, there's a lot of um, I'm not gonna. There's a lot of bad streams. I'll just say, but like, there's some people not bad streams, but again, just with the oversaturation, just mm-hmm. everyone kind of doing the same thing. Like people are who are doing it really well. Like the stuff that TPM slash the Mary Wallopers are doing. Like I couldn't believe the production values on that. Yeah. For the, do you remember? Do you know the first live stream? For, I think it was. St. Paddy's Day, actually. Yeah, it was, like yeah. just production values on that were insane. Like I, I thought I was watching, you know, something like it was actually like a professional studio because they had the camera cutting back and forth and everything. Like I was shocked at how good the quality was. So if people can do stuff like that going forward, those are the ones that will the rise to the top, and the rest of them will just be oversaturated. And yeah. you know, it, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see who who lasts and who doesn't that kind of climate. You know, absolutely, and I think the the most important thing will be the audio quality of it all. If I think most people can tolerate bad video, uh, but if there is bad audio, I think that uh, 
and just throws the the whole production at the window. And I think that will I think that will separate the good streams and the bad streams. I think coming very soon. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So I think we've been just we're almost going about forty minutes now. Uh, I think we'll uh, we'll call it quits. I think we covered every every aspect there under the sun and uh, went three sixteen that one. So do you, do you want to give out your social medias and where people can find yeah. you, where people can buy your music and stuff like that? And of course, I'll link it all in the description as well for from the find out. So. Yeah, yeah, no, of course. Um, just we're, we're on Bandcamp. We're on. Basically, anywhere you can stream music, we're on it. Uh, it's Arco Arena. It's A-R-C-O Arena. Um, check us out on Instagram. Check us out on Facebook. Check us out on Twitter. And uh, we'll hope to hope to see you all very soon at the gig at some point. <laughs> In the near future. Charlie, um, thank you yeah. very much. I really appreciate coming on, especially uh, reaching out to me as well. It means a lot. And I uh, really enjoyed this. Thank you very much. No, I appreciate it. Take care of yourself, mate.